0: Welcome to the good friends and a glass of wine podcast on episode four of this season, we are tasting and learning about wines from the USA. Thanks for joining us. The United States of America can take a lot of claim for the major spike in interest that was seen around wine from the late 60s, early 70s onwards. One particularly important event occurred in 1976 when a Californian winemaker beat a French winemaker in a blind taste test called the Judgment of Paris. This caused a huge shakeup in the wine world, as at that time, wines from America were a lot cheaper and were not seen as being quite at the same standard as their old world counterparts. Today, the US is the fourth largest wine producer in the world behind Italy, France and Spain. American wine is produced in every state. However, there are five key states that produce wine. California, Oregon, Washington, New York and Virginia. And the most well-known and biggest producer of those by far is California, which is where our wine for this episode is coming from. They produce a whopping 90% of American wine. Napa and Sonoma are the dominating regions within California. Both of these regions are north of the San Francisco Bay Area and are associated with more fine wine production due to the Pacific air helping to cool the fruit that is grown in this area. South of the Bay Area, there are other famous regions, Monterey, Paso Roble and Santa Barbara. The growing season in California is usually long and steady, This mostly reliable climate means that many well-known grape varieties can be grown here to great success. High-rated white wines coming out of California include Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc. Top red wine styles produced include Zinfandel, our wine for the show, Cab Sav, Merlot and Pinot Noir. If you remember our discussion around the film Sideways, then you'll recall that Pinot Noir was the preferred drink of choice for wine connoisseurs at the centre of that story. Having not travelled there as of yet, I'd like to think that that film captures the Californian wine country well. But for now, we'll just have to make do with trying one of their wines. So let's say hello to our guests. Stephen, welcome back.
1: Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me.
0: Have you been having any wine drinking escapades since we last spoke?
1: I'm still in the middle of trying to make... Uh, white wine vinegar and red wine vinegar with the leftover <laughs> wines and <Yeah>. some vinegar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're making vinegar with vinegar and wine.
1: <laughs> That's how you're supposed to do it. You're right, supposed okay. to get some raw vinegar and then mix yeah. it with some wine and then you get your red wine vinegars because mm. it's it's too warm to actually finish a bottle of wine at the moment.
0: Yes, yeah, <laughs> so it's quite
1: that. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, so we have the salads and you need your vinaigrettes And then you have a a comfortable evening.
0: (laughs) Yes, indeed, with your lovely vinegars. I actually froze a bottle of red wine there recently, so it's my first time freezing red wine. So God only knows what that's going to be like when it's defrosted. But we'll see anyway. It wasn't an expensive bottle. So that's the most important part, I feel, when you're testing the waters on freezing wines. Um, But on this episode, more importantly, we have our first wine expert joining us in the form of Stephen's body, Dave so welcome Dave.
2: Thank you very much no pressure on that introduction. <laughs> um, yeah. So far on the podcast I've heard Stephen talking about not finishing bottles of wine which to me sounds ludicrous and Sarah you've talked about freezing wine which freezing I've never wine. heard of before so I am what? in over my head here. Oh my so...
0: gosh I've taught you about freezing wine.
2: <laughs>
0: go. I am listening.
1: Dr. Dave Fleming wine scientist. <laughs>
0: what you're qualified on i'm actually just gonna ask you so what is your relationship with wine you're a doctor of wine i never realized that was possible
2: <laughs> again. okay again let's not let's not over salad uh i i have I have both a personal and a professional relationship with wine let's say uh personally I'm heavily involved with wine I like drinking it very very much um but I did uh, some qualifications in wine tasting a few years ago so there's an organization called the Wine Spirits Education Trust uh, WSES so I've done the level two and the level three with those so the level three would be kind of just below a full-blown uh, sommelier course uh so it's yeah it's kind of a cool course but I think it was 18 weeks. And at the end of it, there was like 50 multiple choice questions, five essays, and then three blind tastings wow. and the three separate exams. And I think it's uh, a 20% of people pass it the first time around. And I thought I'd be one of those, but I wasn't passed it the second time around, but uh, yeah. So yeah. it's uh... yeah.
0: yeah, Incredible. That's great. Um, yeah. it's, That's I think the the blind tasting is the bit that scares me the most about going down that Avenue. That has to be a serious amount of work to get to a stage where you can pick things out you know it,
2: it, it, amazingly uh, most of the work is drinking lots and lots of wine um, <laughs> but, um, the, yeah. the guy who, who taught the course gave a really good piece of advice and it was it was yeah. it was it, it helped me in 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 all wine tasting and it's actually helped me enjoy wine a lot more as well and it sounds a bit maybe yeah. pretentious but it's uh, if if you go to like a really nice really good i think Stephen, you'll probably uh, appreciate this now as i do go to a really good fruit producer like a really good fruit shop i went to fallon and burn and I just you you always hear of these fancy notes and wine tasting, oh I get a bit of lychee or I get mango or I get this. And I was like, I didn't yeah. know what half those fruits tasted or smelled like. So yeah. I just went and bought all of these fruits and tasted them and got got myself familiar with them. Oh, that's a really
0: great idea. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Kind of, so, so when it came to the to the to the blind tasting, I'd kind of done so much of that and drank so much wine. Yeah. That uh, yeah. Yeah, it kind of made yeah. it made it. A bit easier. So And you were yeah.
0: absolutely hammered, so then your confidence was through the roof.
2: Yeah. <laughs> always, <laughs> always a good way. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Just like a, a driving test. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) We do not encourage or condone that on this show, Stephen. (laughs) I don't know what you do up there in Cork, but we don't encourage that down here. (laughs) Well, it's fantastic to have you here, Dave. Um, I'm really looking forward to picking your brains as we go along and, and learning more about wine. So that's fantastic. So on this show, we're tasting Carnivore, a Zinfandel from California. So I guess we'll get cracking with our tasting, guys. Dig in.
1: Oh, Dave has nice glasses as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm quite similar to you, actually. Quite a a wide brimmed red wine glass. Yeah,
2: I know. I know there's an old expression about not judging books and covers. Uh, I'm not Mm -hmm. sure exactly how it goes. But when you've got a wine that's named Carnivore and it's from America, you can probably guess that it's going to be pretty big and kind of dirty and meaty. It is, isn't it? Yeah, this is not disappointing me so far, and I haven't no. even tasted. It.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I'm on the same page. It's definitely I'm not massively familiar with Zinfandel, but it's definitely got that Cab Sav kind of feeling about it straight away for me. Anyway, like a big scent, and I've just had a little sip there, and it's oh wow, that's full of body.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, think, I'm, I I haven't looked at the bottle yet, but my guess so it's it's Californian, and I think it's yeah. um central valley california which is just yes. yeah. really 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 hot so yeah. this is probably massively alcoholic this wine i'd say is it <laughs>
0: um, yes the smell of it alone will do it
2: 14 14 and a half 14 and a half yeah yeah you yeah. can you're drunk on the smell of it yeah, yeah. you
0: are yeah wow yeah. it's packing but, a punch for me um, oh yeah it's tasty there's, but it's
2: mm. there's loads of fruit in it though like it's yeah like it's a big heavy puncher but it's it's yeah. really young and it's really fresh as yeah. well like it's yeah. really yeah there's there's lots of kind of like red kind of brambly fruits like yeah it. it's like, yeah
0: yeah that's exactly what yeah. I was gonna now they've described it as having hints of rich blackberry luscious caramel and aromatic toasted oak but definitely the blackberry straight away hit me from to the yeah. top I got that and I like you said there it's it's, it's young it's very vibrant it's full it's Absolutely punching out with flavor. How are you getting on, Stephen?
1: Well, I was terrified about this wine being spoiled because it is roasting at the moment. (laughs)
0: Yeah, by the oh, way, was... this, this will probably be coming out when it's cold.
1: Oh, <laughs> and, well.
0: I'd be like, it'll be warm for reveal... the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's re- pull the curtain back. It's like at time of recording. Yes. <laughs> <It> basically Spain. <laughs> um, so what I actually did with this one is I, I chilled it mm. for about... And I think Jackie mentioned this before in a previous episode where yeah. she put it in the freezer for a small bit to bring it to temperature. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's actually, I think, a lot more mellow now. Like I left it in the freezer for four minutes tops to get the mm-hmm. okay. just the outside cooled, the outside yeah. glass more than anything. Yeah. Um but this is so alcoholic. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. It's yeah. straight away it's um it's uh, punch absolutely it's very fresh very crisp yeah. I, I i'm not getting the blackberries just yet mm-hmm. um but it is uh, very fruity yeah. uh, a little i i was thinking more on the bitter side so like yeah. blackcurrant-ish area is kind of where 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 my taste buds are going cool. but uh excellent this actually uh, i i i this kind of reminds me of um the malbec that we tried yeah but yeah. um a lot more vibrant than than that one
0: how would you describe this on the sweetness scale
2: it's very fruity but it's still it is actually really dry like it's it's quite yeah like the There's a a little bit of, of, not much, a little bit of acidity, kind of a little bit of lip smacking acidity, but it does very much, even though I don't really sense barely any tannins at all really in it. It, I don't
0: either. Yeah. That's what's really interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It it wouldn't last very long. Like this is a wine to be drunk young. The the, the tannins aren't aren't there to kind of keep Mm -hmm. it structured for long um but it's it it is like the the, it it does dry out quite nicely it doesn't kind of leave a a lingering kind of sugary sweet taste on the tongue no it doesn't it's surprisingly for again I I thought this would be much more of a punch in the face and while the flavors are yeah it's quite drinkable I'd happily sit there on an evening and and, and dip away at this like I I know in in terms of food I'd like and then maybe I'll be pissed after two glasses and I'll be saying something different. But <laughs> I, it, doesn't, it doesn't, so far for me, it doesn't seem to need a lot of food to bring its flavors yeah. out right there I, on the top.
0: A hundred percent agree with you. I was just about to say that, like when when we're having red wines, I always kind of go, nah, this needs to be had with a meal. I never get the same. I suppose generally red wine is better had with food, right? But this is like I'd quite happily sit down and drink this guy and just enjoy it on its own. It's lovely. It's actually much nicer than I anticipated, which is always a good thing. I have to say.
2: <laughs> I think you guys have said on your podcast before, and it's it's very it's very much a, a good rule of thumb to go by that a lot of kind of older world wines are specifically designed to yeah. go with food. Usually, yes. the foods from the regions where the wines are are made, and new world wines are kind of a, more of a convenience, especially American wines. A lot of them, the the, the the the, the lower price range off the shelf wines are there they're to be drunk they're made to be drunk straight away and there's there's a surprising amount of of craft i'd say has gone into making this this very affordable wine like it's really tasty i i I will i will admit i love californian wines they're they're probably they're hard to get here because they're so expensive they're some of my favorites but Mm -hmm. like for for what was this like 10 something in tesco like this is really tasty
0: yeah i think it was something between 12 and 14 euros in ireland um quite an affordable wine and that was a question I had for you. Actually, do you do you drink much U.S. based wine? Like, how does that rank up for you in comparison to other regions in the world? Then,
2: so I, it's because of import duty. It's really hard to get affordable mm-hmm. Californian wine in Ireland. It's generally you're paying maybe ten euros more for a bottle than you should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do, I, I, I love it so much, and I do. I particularly like uh, Californians in Fandels as well. They're kind of one of my oh. favorite wines in the world. <laughs> One of your previous previous guests, I can't remember the the person's name, but she talked about um. Mm. There's old vines versus new vines, where there was that disease that wiped out a huge amount of vines across Europe and across a lot of the world, and most yeah. of them were replaced with old American vines that are there. And you can get old vines in Zinfandels, where the vines themselves, like the bases, can be hundreds of years old, and Super. you get incredible flavor. But you're talking like thirty euros for a bottle of wine, though. So sure. I don't. If I'm, if I'm just getting my 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 drinking wine, which would be usually from Little Oraldi, I wouldn't usually be going Californian.
0: Okay, all right, that's interesting. Well, you've mentioned about Zinfandel, but like more generally, like if you're looking at wines, just you know, throughout the world, like do you have specific types of red wine or white wine that you kind of tend to return to again and again? Or
2: I, I love. Pinot Noirs from from kind of anywhere like I love French I love Burgundy Pinot Noirs I love New Zealand Pinot Noirs um I love Northern French Pinot noirs, Southern French Pinot Noirs Californian Pinot Noirs are different what I love Pinot Noir is that it's different everywhere you you grow it it could be grown 10 miles apart or on one side of a hill or the other and it'll taste completely different it's so sensitive which I love but I I I'm a bit of a wine slut uh, there's there's not really any wines that I don't like dry sweet red white rose yeah um, like I if, if if I was to choose one country that I would kind of probably most most buy most often uh yeah. in European supermarkets because you can get a cheap one for that's really good quality probably be Italian mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's usually like a kind of a, a kind of a real earthy kind of taste off Italian reds that I love sure. uh, yeah but yeah when, when you can get something like this which is an inexpensive yeah like really fresh really drinkable really flavoursome American red wine I'm a sucker for that I have to say I mean it's a
0: winner really in my book isn't it when you can get it that cheap and like you said it feels like there's a bit of work gone into this it doesn't feel like your typical big supermarket chain red wine which it is kind of an interesting one that you know with our first like trained sort of wine person, expert, that we're actually having a mass produced wine <laughs> with with you. But I actually thought that was quite interesting because it kind of opens up that idea about like, OK, do you have to, you know, spend a fortune and get this really like artisan kind of type wine or is it okay to get those kinds of wines? And like get your take on that. So it seems like you are not too like boxed into, no, I have to get something really dear and it has to be from a specific region. Or The yeah. best
2: thing I learned on that wine course, 100% and the one that I would recommend yeah. anyone who likes to get into wine to do some sort of basic entry-level wine tasting course is yeah. that it'll teach you that you don't have to spend 20 euros even on a bottle of wine to get nice wine. There's perfectly yeah. acceptable, really tasty wines for... You probably wouldn't want to, unless it's on special offer. You maybe wouldn't want to go below nine or ten euro. You don't need to go above twelve or thirteen if you're just getting a bottle of wine to drink with your friends or to sit outside in the sun or just to have it with a bit of food. There's low, especially little and Aldi, because the economies of sale that they have, like they buy out entire vineyards, so they can produce really good quality wine for cheaper price than some of those small, smaller vineyards who Mm. have to charge a lot of money because it costs them a lot of money and there's so much extra care goes into it. Now, do I enjoy fine wines as well? Yeah, I've got a I've got a good good collection of 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 fine wines, but they're very much special occasions. Like I'll take them out for special dinners or or or, or occasions. But if I'm having a glass of wine the weekend, myself or my wife or friends are over, like it's little or Aldi, it's 10, 12 euro bottle. I'm not spending more because you don't you're not
0: being fussy on it. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. 'Cause I find that Stephen's quite the snob now when it comes to wine and I don't actually
2: know how to um
0: break it to him that actually Stephen we can get ten euro bottle and it's okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. You have to make sure you get the you have to make sure you get the right ten euro bottle. Like yeah, so, some know. of them are mass produced cake. Like some of them are if, if you look at yeah. where they're coming from, how much is the juice in the bottle actually worth? Like, yeah, some of them are really bad, but, but there's, yeah. there's a lot of them. Yeah. Do a bit of research and, and just taste them. I yeah. like this, I'll buy this again. I don't like this, I won't buy it again. Sure. But...
0: Yeah, yeah. Just a couple of more <clears> notes <throat> on this one while we're drinking and tasting away. So this is produced by Deb Jurgensen, who is part of the E.J. Gallo winery. Um, so they're a very large producer of wine in California. You might have well come across them before, the carnivore label only produces uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and Zinfandel, so it's it's a small pool of wines that they're actually producing. Uh, most of the grapes come from Lodi, which, as you correctly mentioned earlier, Dave, is in the Central Valley of California. It's close to Sacramento, so this area is particularly known for producing Zinfandels. exactly like you said, because it's really hot. So yeah. How are you getting on now as we're as we're tasting on a bit further? How's how's the taste sitting with you?
2: So it's it's probably softened a little bit uh, while while it's out out in the air. Um, yeah, I'm probably getting a little bit more. There's probably a, a, maybe a very small amount of oak. I wouldn't say it's been aged in oak for very long, but yeah. there is kind of a hint of I think caramel might be a little ambitious. I know you, that, that that's in the description that they give. I don't know if I'd quite get something as as kind of complex as caramel, but. No. Maybe a slight hint of maybe vanilla. I was just going to of-
0: say, I get more vanilla. I'd be like, I don't think it's mm. like as strong as I've had in other, like we would have had a GMS, um, Grenache blend. And I remember that having a really strong hint of vanilla. Bring me up on that, Stephen, if I'm wrong. I think that was the one. This mm. isn't quite on that scale, but I definitely get that little hint of vanilla. And like now you've said it, actually, there's a tiny little bit of like that, like smokiness that you would get from oak presence. But again, like very mild. I think um, the color is really nice on this, this one as well. I think it's a really, really pleasing color. It's very, um, is this I think it's quite smooth, actually, to drink. Like, I know there's that kick, but it's still quite a, a smooth kind of drink, I would say.
2: There's no tartness at all. There's no, like, there's no, yeah. like, yeah. almost, there's almost no tannins I can perceive at all. Yeah, in this, like, which is so no. pleasing
0: for me. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah.
2: yeah, absolutely, and like you're saying on the color as well, I would have expected this to look like a black swamp with yeah. the alcohol level in it and the the the, the where it's from, oh. but it's actually like you said, it's quite light. Like it, it's yeah. not quite pink or it. light, but it's yeah, it's almost like yeah, like yeah. Oh. So it's
0: it's a winner for me, guys. I think this could be, I think this could be the nicest red I've had doing the show so far. Wow, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that from <laughs> a yeah, yeah, point. <laughs> Are you guys having the 2020, by the way? I never asked you that. Yes, yes. you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, it's three <laughs> years old. It's not, you know, hot, hot off the press. Yeah. <laughs> a good year in California. Do you know?
2: I don't, I'm afraid. I'm not fully up on my most recent vintages. I know that they, was it twenty. 20- Oh, maybe it was a 2020 or 2021 or was it 2022 where they had all the wildfires and a lot of their crops would have been destroyed. I, so. I, I was going to say, I thought that was 2019. I, I think it,
1: 2019, um, the year leading into COVID is when there was a bunch. Of, so, so Australia had a bunch of wildfires. And I think California had a bunch of wildfires then as well.
2: Yeah. So, um, well- what I think can happen then in, in regions that have disastrous years like that, and this could be why this wine is so unexpectedly kind of drinkable now, is they need to financially recover. So they'll rush out a lot of young drinking now wines rather than taking the care to have some more kind of longer complex wines that would cost a bit more to produce and they might not get the money back on. So like I, I think I had a carnivore before myself and Car- my wife Caroline drank a bottle of carnivore a few years ago. And I don't remember it being anywhere near this soft and gentle and and, and smooth. I remember it being a much punchier, heavier kind of like almost like still beautiful, but kind of more of a muddle through yeah. with food wine. So I wonder, did those fires have anything to to, to do with that? That they're like we just need to sell some wine now. We can't wait to mature this for two or three years. We've got to we got to get it out now. There's a there's honest to god. There's there's a different fruit kind of every time i go back to taste it again there's like kind of this black cherry there's a little bit of red cherry there's maybe a hint of like raspberry like there's there's a lot going on there there's no you don't get a lot of the secondary we talked about this already the secondary characteristics kind of the the, from from the oak but the fruit there there's a lot of fruit going on there
0: yeah super job a big hit i would say so
2: so i approve
0: you approve and that's
1: fan debbie doozy
0: Now, as you haven't been a guest on our show before, Dave, I do want to ask you a few questions that we like to ask our guests to get to know them a little bit better. So to begin, can you tell us a wine-based fact?
2: I I can and I probably not giving the game away here to say that uh, some of these questions might have been pre pre pre-supplied to us and I found this one increasingly difficult because I had one and then I listened to an episode of your podcast and it was just said and I was like oh okay that's gone and then I had another one and then that was also mentioned and so I really had to dig deep here into 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 wine facts Uh, and so I what I have for you this one is moderately interesting uh, and if people uh experienced wine drinkers might, might, might know this, or might be interested to know this, but so Zinfandel is, is uh, kind of a misleading name for a grape because uh, what the grape actually is, they did, they did tests on it. Scientists regularly do tests on these grapes and they discovered that it is uh, genetically identical to the Primitivo grape, uh, which grows in the heel of Italy uh, down in the South coast of Italy um, which is, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce this name, but actually it originates uh, in Croatia. Uh, so it's the exact same grape, uh, mm-hmm. which originated in Croatia and Montenegro and then was planted in Italy in the South of Italy. And then it was taken over and planted in California. They didn't really know what it was. So they got the name mixed up and I think it's, it was named after another grape, which is an Austrian grape, which sounds similar to Zinfandel, but that's what they called it. But it's exactly the same. So if you have an, an Italian Primitivo, you're drinking a Zinfandel. It's exactly the same grape.
0: Fascinating. Oh, I love that. Primitivo, like I think of like a 90s dance song. <laughs> so can you share a memorable occasion where wine featured?
2: Uh, I I can uh, Stephen, forgive me. You might have heard this story before. Again, I was I, I, there was a couple of, of kind of stories uh, came into my mind uh, as as I've kind of already said. I'm uh, a seasoned wine drinker, and I've got some of the, the the great ones. Like myself and my wife, spent our honeymoon in California. we spent some time in in uh, Napa Valley, which was amazing. Our first holiday together, we went to a vineyard in Croatia uh, in Split, which was spectacular. Yeah,
0: gorge gorged. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, like it's it is. That, the wine in market. Croatia was amazing.
2: Was so good. The, Cro- the Croatians keep all of the wine for themselves. They don't really export it, but their wine is don't. so good. And the cheese as well. When you get
0: the wine and the che- yeah, it's
2: super. And like, the yeah, every like God oh, split. I just yeah, I'd love to go back there now and drink their wine and eat their food. Um, but the memory I'm going to go with just because it's kind of it's it's kind of bizarre uh, and and interesting and uh, and kind of funny is a. I did something back in 2018, which probably won't be possible for any Westerners to do uh, again for a very long time, if ever, Is I did the trans Siberian railway. Um, I got, uh, I got the train from St. Petersburg all the way to Beijing over a month and um, stopped in a few places along the way. And um, the the biggest train journey is, is uh, it's about, it's nearly five days between Moscow uh, and the city of Irkutsk. And I got to know this Australian guy on, the trip we were kind of doing exactly the same itinerary so uh, we got to know each other quite well we knew we were getting on the train for five days we knew it was going to be a diet of like dry bread and 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 uh, uh noodle pot noodles and things like that so we had a nice big meal in, in a really nice restaurant in moscow and we discovered our mutual love of wine so we get on the train then the next day and we're, you know, we're traveling for about a day. We're about a day and a half east of of, of Moscow. And there was a restaurant car there and we were having a, a few beers and we were having a nice chat. We were playing some chess and looking out of the Russian countryside. And we decided to ask the... Um, there was there was a, there was like a waiter who who the his shift was seven days. His shift was the length that the, the train took to get from Moscow to the very end of the line, which was further even than we were going. Uh so he was there when we woke up in the morning, right until when we went to bed at night. And we asked him just for the crack. We said, have you got any any wine? And he said, "Oh yeah, absolutely. I've got a, I've got a South African or or a Georgian." And we were like, "Oh amazing! This is brilliant. This trip is is going to be much more uh, culinary interesting, than, culinarily interesting than we thought." So we will take a, we'll take a bottle of the South African. So he gives us the bottle of South African wine, and we polish that off pretty quickly. It's quite tasty, and we we're like, "Oh, that, that, that's great. Yeah, we'll we'll have another bottle of that, please." Yeah. And he looked at us and he said, "No, no, I have a South African and a Georgian." And we went. Oh. Oh oh all right uh well okay well uh i guess we'll we'll have the georgian so and so he brought yeah. down the bottle of georgian wine and we finished that off that was delicious as well and then there was oh there was no more wine after that so that the, the
0: reflection that you just <laughs> cleared out <Yeah. laughs>
2: the poor guy yeah, we his entire wine selection probably those bottles had been on that train for a very yeah. long time yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i can imagine the last time someone asked for a bottle of red wine on the trans-siberian railway but we got through his his entire stock yeah
0: <laughs> set the theme. If you could drink your favorite glass of wine anywhere in the world, where would that be with whom and why?
2: So this, I I, I really like this question because all three of those things influence the answer of each other. Uh, this is kind of how I got thinking. I was like, am I just going to choose my favorite wine? It was like, well, then it, it depends on because where I am, depends on what kind of wine I want to drink and who I'm with probably kind of influences who I want to drink as well. So I, I ended up, I started with the person mm-hmm. and I, I kind of, I looked through, I thought again, I thought of a lot of, I, I liked um, Hemingway was, was, was an interesting one. I thought about kind of the great poets and and or the, the great novelists or playwrights. And then I was like, my other great interest is sport. I talked about people like, you know, I was like, Alex Ferguson loves his red wines and he's mad into sport. I was like, well, he's kind of only really into sport. So I, I was thinking, right, I want someone who I can really talk to. who's interested in loads of these different things, but not just kind of focused on one and is a bit of crack. And is someone who I met very, very briefly once. I spoke to them for about 20 seconds and I was absolutely hooked by how engaging and interesting they were and how I just was like, I want to sit down with you for a few hours. And the person is Colm I like, I've seen him obviously a brilliant actor. Uh, I've seen him host documentaries on subjects that I'm vastly interested in, like sport uh obviously he i I work in the the theater industry he's 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 very much involved in that industry as well and he just seems like really good crack and an amazing storyteller so the idea of sitting down with him for a few hours and because of him that very much influenced the location and it's this time of year where we're recording this in in june and the weather over the last few weeks has been incredible and the idea of like Late late evening, like maybe 7 to 9 o'clock when it's still hot, the sun is still up, but it's not that that real horrible heat that we're kind of, we've been getting, the real muggy heat that we've been getting in the middle of the day. So much more towards the evening where the sun is kind of setting, the sky is that gorgeous kind of faded blue. There's an orange streaks in the sky. And I wanted to be on the rooftop of mm. some, I don't know the specific bar or a specific bar, but a rooftop bar in Dublin City looking out over Dublin Bay and the city as well, so you basically can look in 360 directions, you see the city in one direction, you see the mountains in another direction, you see the sea in another direction, you've got this amazing view, and when I came down to that, I was like, the wine, fuck it, could be anything, I don't care at that stage, just give me, like, I just want the, you know, you know when on a hot day and you've got a glass of, like, really chilled white wine or rosé, and the glass itself is kind of sweating, it's fogged up around the sides where you've got that, that lovely chilled effect, so it's like, Put a cooler down beside us with a bottle of wine stuck into a load of ice, a so, bottle of I don't know port- Portuguese white wine, couple yeah. of nice glasses, and we're just sitting there. And someone is coming along and just pouring the glass as far as, and we're just shooting the shit for hours, talking about everything. And yeah. drink back the wine. I'd happily go through two or three bottles between us. That that to me that was because like again like I've done some of the the cool kind of bucket list stuff like we drank wine in. Napa Valley uh, I've been to vineyards in, in, in France and Croatia and Italy and they're all incredible but just the idea of sitting on a rooftop bar in Dublin on a lovely day chatting to one of my heroes Colomini, and just drinking some lovely fresh crisp white wine that's that's kind of where where my head's at
0: awesome oh descriptive I love that fabulous <laughs> So let's wrap up what a great session thank you so much Stephen and to our special guest Dave it was really a treat and a privilege to have you on the show and by the time this one comes out Dave will be a dad so that's very exciting news and it's probably going to be a while before he cracks open another bottle of Zinfandel but when you do we'll be cheersing with you. So it was brilliant to get your insights and to share a glass with you both. And I hope that you all will join us next time for our German wine episode. Until then, cheers.
1: Cheers.